Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your recap episode for the American Express. And joining me to break it all down, we are five wide, and I've been waiting to say this for a long time. Greg Ducharme is here. He's got a new member of the Ducharme family. Greg, first of all, congratulations to you and the missus. We're glad to have you back. Thank you very much. We're for, we have we have a full foursome now, so it's uh, it's go. very exciting. Thank you guys for giving me a little bit of uh, time off. Mark, thank you for giving me a little bit of a break. Uh, for Daddy Duty, you know what I'm talking about. We don't have to go any further, but I'm really happy to be back. I'm so excited uh, for this show. Did Mark you name him Imel- Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, the timing was a little bit off. We were close. That's what you should do. If you have a baby, so. Uh, Tony Ducharme. If you have a baby, you should have to wait to whoever wins the next PGA event. That you have to name your child after whoever wins. That, so that would be a, one heck of a bet. Yes, <laughs> I love it. Uh, Mark Immelman is here. Mark, good to see you. Yeah, nice to be with you guys, Greg. Going from three to four—that's a game changer. Just let me tell you, I, yeah. I never, I never be, uh, used to be so gray when there were just three of us around. But four changes stuff. <laughs> That's good to be back. I'm in the midst of um, backing for Tory Pines. Head out tomorrow morning. So, uh, game on. I'm looking forward to it. That's right. We're gonna have you back on the road shortly. Uh, Kyle Porter is here. KP, what up, big guy? Yeah, three to four, then four to five, then five to six. <laughs> I mean, you just keep, you just keep going. Uh, I'm trying to think of who would be the worst next winner if you decided to name your kid. Probably, probably Jazzy J would be tough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know if it gets if it gets tougher than that. I, I think uh, Frances Francesco Gaiman, I think, would be a really good one. <laughs> 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 that would make total sense. And the coach is here. Coach, are you going to give us a warning about when you go from six to seven? Are you going to drop the bomb on all of us here? <laughs> wow, that's never that's never going to happen. I can promise yeah. you that. I can promise you that. But I'm I'm in a really good mood uh, for this show. Hey, I love being a part of you guys. Uh, but also, I came really close. I had Patrick Cantlay to win this week, so you can imagine uh, Siwoo's putt on seventeen. I wasn't completely happy with, but I picked a bunch of winners. Uh, today in round four. So I felt really good all week. So uh, I'm good with what I did here on the show competing with you guys. I didn't do much, but uh, I'm still happy with the week that I've had. Well, we're going to talk about the winner and it's Si Woo Kim, who gets his first victory since the 2017 Players Championship, Greg. And it was an absolutely sublime eight under 64 on Sunday that does the trick. It was not without Patrick Cantlay trying to chase him down, trying to take this one away from him. But it's Si Woo who prevails and adds another PGA Tour title to his resume. 
Yeah, watching this thing, you you almost forget that he he shoots four under on the first nine, right? He makes birdie yeah. at four and five, and then seven, eight, and you almost forget about that because Patrick Cantlay is doing what he's doing, and I'm just wondering how far ahead does Cantlay have to get to actually win? Because Siwoo has all these holes left to go, and you just felt like there there wasn't too many mistakes to be made out there once he got past number 13, which was a really, really smart shot to the right side of the green. Um, and there just didn't feel like there were too many opportunities to make a big number 16. It got a little close where the ball was maybe going to go down into the, um, down into the really deep bunker, maybe the, the deepest bunker on tour. I think that, that the guys play, but he, he avoided that. And all of a sudden for easy birdie at 16 and, and he makes the putt at 17, which was just clutch. Um, so it, it was great to see. Um, but this is what these guys do on the PGA Tour. 64 on Sunday. If, if you don't shoot five, six, seven, eight under on Sunday of a PGA Tour event, you're just you're not going to win. Siwoo Kim, I think they said on the telecast, uh, nearly pulled a muscle trying to get in on that Max Homa read on 17. They were on a very similar line. He takes advantage of it, Mark. He rolls the birdie putt in, and then all he has to do on 18 is make par. He He's able to take care of that. But uh, he was talking in his in his post-round interview knowing exactly what Patrick Cantlay was up to because he was putting up uh, a course record on Sunday, and he knew that he had to keep his foot on the gas, which I feel like for Siwoo, that's the style golf he wants to play right this guy's got one gear and it's it's full speed ahead yeah well uh, you speak of that one gear and and if i think back to the victories before he won at the Wyndham championship where i believe on the friday he shot like 60 and then sort of gamed his way out and hung on over the weekend there at sedgefield but then the players championship you know he was in contention and then that final round did not hit the ball very well at all and just putted the eyes out of the thing and so he was more the guy that was sort of scrappy from t through green and just really salvaged scores and at the players championship sort of survived but man he thrived at this place and at this golf course Typically, if you are in one of the final groups or you behind the score that's posted, you have the advantage because 16, you know, back in the day was a tough par five. Now, pretty well, it's reachable for everybody in the field. So there, there, there's a give birdie there. 14 is a wedge in hand if you can take advantage. 17, in as much as what it's daunting mentally and emotionally, at one stage, guys were hitting like wedges and nine irons in there. So, And then 18, it, it speaks to the work that Siwoo Kim has done on the game because a guy that was... I wouldn't say unreliable off the tee and, and, and through the green, but he was a little scrappy. And that tee shot he hit down 18, which is daunting. You know, when you've got a penalty area down the left-hand side and fairway bunkers on the right, he just split the fairway. And that spoke to a guy who's got a lot of confidence in the technique, a lot of confidence in what he's doing, and then hit the perfect second shot. It was in between clubs, which was interesting. And typically, these guys would go to the shorter club and swing harder. Well, he did the opposite. And then again, that speaks to someone who's really got everything working out and the swings in time and fits the thing out there to the right of the flag, just done perfectly. And, and the finish was, was, was majestic. I mean, it was a heck of a performance and, and, and to me sort of galvanized his place now as one of the, uh, the leading young golfers in the world's game. Uh, we're going to talk about how young he is. I'm going to come to Kyle on that in just one second, but I want to dive into what this performance was. You, Mark, you mentioned it was an all-around performance, and Coach, the stats bear this out. Siwoo Kim leads the field in strokes gained tee to green this week. He's second in approach. He gained strokes in all four major categories. So I'm looking at this, and I'm saying, you know, sometimes on the PGA Tour, you can kind of get hot in a certain in a certain area and, and steal one. Not, not here. Not this week. Siwoo Kim had it all going. 
You know what's crazy is we talked about it on Tuesday on the preview show on what kind of a player uh, would be successful this particular week. And I, I can't remember, I, I think it was Mark that, that, that said that this is, I could be wrong, that, that these are the type of greens that guys can really put the lights out on because of how they're made and, and, and that there's not a lot of, of, of varying uh, dimensions through them. And you really saw that today uh, more so than any other day this week because Patrick Cantley was just dropping bombs from everywhere and Siwoo as well. And when you look at the numbers, and when I handicapped my matchups for today, my, my, my bets were easy for today because you saw guys that had these really good numbers at the stadium course, and I thought it was easy. And when you look at what Siwoo Kim did, he was the one guy, because we talked about it last night too on the show, guys, that Max Homa, he was tied for the lead. He was never in it today because he just wasn't hitting the ball crisp on this golf course. You've got to hit it well off the tee, approach, but you got to be able to put the lights out. And Siwoo did that better than anybody else this week. And we called it Tuesday, and that's exactly what happened. All right, KP, I'm trying to put this win for Siwoo Kim into perspective. And there's a, just a short list of golfers who have three or more PGA Tour wins at 25 or younger. And here's the international list over the last 40 years. Rory McIlroy, he's pretty good at golf. Sergio Garcia, Hideki Matsuyama, John Rahm, Adam Scott, and now Siwoo wow. Kim. The guy's 25 years old, or the way that you put it on Twitter, KP, he's 20 months older than Colin Morikawa. It, it's it's pretty weird because I think he's which by the way I forgot that his last name was Kim I thought it was shaking that ass I thought that was just his last name with the, with the I think speed. he's gonna change it I think he's gonna change it now he should I that's what I was trying to I was trying to producer Jacob do we have that you need to just pop that in randomly over the next thirty minutes um, Siwoo is both older and younger than I think we we think about and what I mean by that is he's He's he is. We talk about Morikawa like he's super young, and he is. He's twenty three. But you know, Siwoo was twenty months old when Morikawa was born. That they're they're kind of the same. I mean, when they get to be thirty five and thirty seven, it's going to be just all the same, you know. Uh, but he's also played in a ton of events because he's been out there since he was like nineteen or twenty. He's played in. How about this? He's played in, uh, I think, six fewer events than Tony Finau which is crazy. And he's played in, I think, 23 fewer events than Rory McIlroy, which is also crazy. And 100 uh, fewer than Sung J.M. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> he's he plays got three, a ton. three years with 30-plus events. Three full plays, seasons with 30-plus events. It's a yeah, lot. Yeah, he plays a ton. And so three wins is great by the time you're 25, but three out of the first 165, uh, is it's so it's good, but it's not, it's not what it seems like when, when you turn 25. The other thing I want to say about, uh, see real quick. He played in this event last year, WD with a back injury. He shot 87 in the first round last year. He had two sixes, two eights and a nine on the card. Uh, and then he goes this week, nothing worse than 68 and only makes two bogeys all week. So, uh, it's just crazy how much how much difference 12 months can make. Golf is certainly a weird game. And Patrick Cantlay uh, finishes runner-up in this event. And Greg, it was certainly not without a lack of efforts because this guy barnstorms the field on the weekend. He makes, makes the cut on the number and goes out and shoots 18 under on the weekend, including a 61 on Sunday, the new course record. Uh, it looked like he was trying to steal this thing, right? He, he made a couple of putts coming down the stretch. I'm like, Oh my God, this is, this is kismet. This is fate a little bit. I, I think Patrick Cantlay's got this. This is 
it, it's such a hard thing to do. I mean, nobody has won on the PGA Tour when making the cut on the number since Brant Snedeker in 2016. 2016 sounds recent, but that, that's kind of a long time. I mean, that's five years ago now. That's five years ago next week. It was the Farmers Insurance Open when he did it. And that, so and it that was a, a weird. Time. That was a weird ending too. It was very. It was um, like a Monday finish. It was crazy windy. It, it doesn't right. like the way that that Cantlay did it. Almost never happens. Yeah, Snedeker right. was like he finished early, and then it got to like forty mile an hour winds, and nobody else shot over par in the final round or something like that. Yeah, he didn't, yeah, he was like he didn't, he didn't even play on the final day. He was sitting. Right. He, had, he finished on Sunday. Right. So it, it doesn't happen very often is the point. And you, you have, they kept saying this on the broadcast, you have to go out and try and birdie every hole, which sounds odd, but he really, he had himself a birdie look on every single hole it seemed. And I credit him with the, uh, the aggressive play from the tee. Of course, when a guy shoots 61, he's not playing conservative, but he was aggressive off the tee. He was hitting drivers um, up close to the green. He he had a number on the second nine, a number of little wet shots from inside of say 80 yards. And next thing you know, you hit a you hit a quality shot. It doesn't have to be spectacular, but just a quality shot. And now you got inside of 10 feet for uh, for for a birdie. And that comes from the aggressive style off the tee. So I, I think he took advantage of the conditions. Um, he took advantage of a run he was on with the putter, with the irons. If you go down the list, he was excellent in every single category today, uh, which goes without saying. But but second approaching the green, gains three strokes approaching the green. He gains over five tee to green for the um, for for just the day today, and he was um, sixth around the green and second putting. So he just like Siwoo Kim was great in every area, and it yields a, a great score. Patrick Cantlay's aggressive style was was what got him into contention today. He goes out in 30, comes in in 31 for a course record 61 mark. It was it was magical stuff. And there were two putts in the middle there that uh, I, you don't expect him to make, but like it could have been even lower. We could have seen the magic number, I think, on Sunday if everything goes right for Patrick Cantlay. But remember, he's a top 10 player in the world. Are, are we kind of getting to the point where he's now underrated? I mean, I know there can only be so many top 10 players in the world. We, we've got a tour that's incredibly deep, but coming off of a Zozo championship victory, he, he kind of scored. Torches uh, the field the week in the weekend here, and it feels like 2021 is getting off to a rocking uh, kick and start for Patrick Cantlay. Yeah, and you know, Rick, I'm the wrong guy to ask when you start to ask about sort of underrating players and such because I'm going to go on the bandwagon and uh, not the bandwagon. I'm going to go into my uh, limb or wherever I, I'm going to go now and and sort of say that it's so hard to win, especially if there's four major championships. But the way Patrick Cantlay is beginning to go, it, it seems like. It's only a matter of time, or perhaps it's inevitable. And, and and what I want to point to is, you know, as I look through some of the results, he played okay at the Tournament of Champions in Maui. That was a couple of weeks ago. Um, then his previous start before then was the Masters, and he had a top 20 there. And uh, just a, then about two weeks before, they had the Zozo. So you've got a guy who was almost playing Tiger Woodsian sort of schedules over the last little bit here where there's big gaps in between starts. Yet this game travels, and he's got a game for all seasons. And he comes at you and looks a little rough early, but you could see, well, that's no competition. But the guy just finds his groove so fast. And, and to build on Greg's point about just having all of the tools, I feel like that is part of the reason why he does. And to win major championships and to start to answer those questions about, okay, you're a top 10 guy, when are you going to do the big stuff? Um, it, I think the questions are valid. But the one thing about Cantlay is – 
in, in, in my limited experience with him. Uh, I've talked to him after a couple of victories. He just seems to have life pretty well in order. You know, he's had all those events that have happened to him, the sort of the, the ghastly sort of things you don't wish upon your worst enemy. And they've made a guy who is just awfully strong mentally and tremendously resilient emotionally. And, and golf is going to test you that way. So, so then you add to the mix the physical gifts that he has, just the the mental acumen and the emotional strength that he has and the resilience he has, you'd figure he's a, he's a contender now for major championships. Now, is he likely to win? Heck, I don't know, because they're so hard to win and there's only four of them a year. But it's pointing toward the fact that Cantlay is one of those guys. And if he was a bit more vocal pre-tournament, maybe we'd talk about him a bit more, but he doesn't. So he's going to fly under the radar and the next thing you're going to turn around and Cantlay is uh, contending for tournaments. Yeah, and he's his resting heart rate. I swear, has got to be one of the lowest on on tour. The guy's just just ice in the veins. KP, he he makes twenty birdies over his final two rounds. Do you think that is more or less than his average number of little toe tap things that he does before every single shot? Way less. <laughs> Way less. He does yes. over twenty toe taps. Yeah, I, you could get into like how many seconds. Yeah, I think it's less than uh. the seconds taken between you know once he addresses the ball. Uh, Cantley's interesting because we talk about tournaments played. He's this was a, his 105th event uh, of his PGA Tour career, which is not it's the same number as somebody like uh, I think John Rahm's played in about 100 or I don't know, maybe maybe fewer than that, maybe 80 or 90, and that's 60 fewer, fewer than Siwoo. So his his win rate is 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 pretty crazy. And you know, I I don't know, I'm big on this, and people probably get tired of hearing about it, but just this idea of like how much difference in a career over the course of a career one stroke can make. Think about this week. Like Cantley makes the makes the cut on the number on on Friday, and then he almost wins the event. And Siwoo hits this shot. At, at, somebody was talking about it earlier into sixteen, six feet to the left. Uh, Cantley probably wins the golf tournament. And we just it, it's it's insane to think about like how t- like tiny these margins are that like change entire careers. Like I, I just, I get so worked up over it because I think it, I, I don't think we talk, I don't think we can talk about it enough. I, I think it's, I think it's wild. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I think I don't love Cantlay just because I don't love watching him, but in terms of just pure golf, I think you have to say that he's, that he's fairly underrated. Yeah. I, I, I think that's a, a, smart evaluation of Patrick Cantlay and, and coach, I, I'm, I kind of glossed over this at the top and I'm glad Kyle brought it back up. The fact that he makes the cut on the number, you know, there are guys, especially top 10 players in the world or top 15 players in the world, whatever you want to call it, that would have packed it in said, okay, I'm going to be in San Diego next week or whatever. I've got my schedule. I don't know what I need to do over the weekend to just cash this check, but he goes out, he puts the, the, the pedal to the metal and almost steals this thing away from Siwoo. Well, that, that's that's the, I think the the thing about his greatness is that we've seen there there aren't a, a lot of guys that are comfortable getting into that eight nine ten under uh, scenario in any round, let alone the last round of a tournament uh, to win it. And I think because of his lack of excitement, that helps him when he gets into this this zone that he has. But I'm with Kyle. I, I actually told the tour this. I uh, you know because I come from an entertainment background. Everybody knows that I spent 10 years in pro wrestling. I said, hire me to get my hands on a lot of these players that are on the PGA Tour that secretly are upset because they don't have as many endorsements off the course or they don't have as many things coming their way. And it may not bother Patrick Cantlay, 
but he is the most boring golfer on planet Earth to watch play golf. And I want to be entertained. I want to at least see a little fist pump or a yell or something. But you never get that. And so that's why he's rarely in PGA Tour live uh, groups. And he's rarely a guy that anybody, anybody ever talks about as one of the great players and one of the favorites in a golf tournament. It's not because he's not good enough. It's because he's just not fun to watch. We don't think about him. And that, to me, is a, is a big box missed for Patrick Cantlay. And he'll never – I don't think it's his personality. And I don't think he, he, he has the ability to change it to make us make him – uh, can't miss golf. You know, the, that's a very good point. And, and I hear what you and Carl are saying, but you, you go back to a guy that had, was, had a debilitating back injury. I mean, it, it nearly ended his career. And then he has his best friend die basically in his arms. He keeps stuff tremendously close to the vest. And, and, and I think a lot of Patrick Cantlay, because I had met the young Patrick Cantlay who came out on tour as, I, I can't remember if it was an amateur, but the, the Travelers shot 60 the one day. And I was like, holy cow, this guy's legit. And there was an electricity about him. But but since all of these events have transpired in his life, I can see why the guy is like just ice when you when you watch him. He doesn't talk very much, doesn't show very much. I mean, we've had hot mics that have picked him up. He's not afraid of some colorful language. Um, <laughs> we should mic him up all the time, Mark. <laughs> yeah, so, so I, I think a lot of who he is is just born of events that have happened to him, and, and there have been some ghastly things that have gone on. Hey, uh, Coach, I got, I got a question for you. Yeah. Do you think if you took away the name, if you took away the, um, the, the little graphic that says the player's name and where they are in relation to par, do you think Ricky Fowler would be fun to watch? Uh, wow. That's a, that's a great, the last year or two. No. And not- and here's, this is why I bring that up. Okay. Cause I think a lot of this has to do with the framing, what happens outside of, uh, of who you are in a way, companies, sponsors, um, commercials entities outside of who the player are can really frame a player to, to be, to appear, uh, in a particular way. So That's to me, Ricky, Ricky Fowler doesn't say a lot. He doesn't do dramatic fist bumps. There's a lot of similarities between he and Cantlay inside the ropes. But we see Ricky Fowler in commercials driving um, a Mercedes Benz or there's a, a BMX kind of a theme that's built around him with all of his contracts early in his career. And I just wonder whose responsibility is that? Because Ricky, he definitely reaps the benefit from that financially. His agent. Um, but his agent, big time, right? You build that. So is it up to Patrick Cantlay to change his personality on the golf course to become more sellable? Or is his job to go out there and win tournaments, cash checks? Because to me, his job is to compete. And I think he's doing a fantastic job of it. I, I think I think golfers now, especially ones that that have been bred since they were really, really young to play golf, they're they're very robotic. Because that's all they've done is play golf and didn't play baseball or football or basketball. And, and a lot of them don't have a ton of friends either because they're in this uh, fast track to the PGA Tour. I think it's a real problem. And I think as the tour grows and we know what's coming next year when they're going to grow to like four channels, they're going to go to ESPN Plus, all this extra coverage. If you're a player and you want to to reap the rewards that Ricky does, that Jordan did, not so much anymore, but that Tiger does and Roy does, you've got to be entertaining. Whatever that is to you, you've got to be a guy that – look at Terrell Hatton. Look what the European Tour did with Terrell Hatton this week with the, the, the angry golfer uh, skit. Hilarious. Now he's got a personality. 
these guys got to have personalities or they're just going to make money on the course and that's it. Uh, Terrell hat. We're going to talk about him in a second. Uh, European tour is great with that stuff, but we've got to talk about one hunky Tony had another, not so hunky Sunday for Tony Finau and Greg, you're not going to get off the hook on this one, but I'm going to start with Kyle <laughs> here. Don't think I forgot. Don't think I forgot because, uh, KP, uh, Tony Finau shoots a four under 68 and finishes four shots back. And I want to quote my buddy Nelson from Twitter, who sarcastically tweeted, dang, Finau's going to let another one slip away because he didn't shoot eight under in round four, which is like, yeah, I, I guess that's kind of right. I mean, he literally would have shot, had to shoot an eight under 64 to get into a playoff. I know he made two bogeys, but is this Finau failing again? Uh, Fina has more kids than me, by the way. Uh, <laughs> How many guys on tour have more kids than you? I think it's Webb and Fina. The two. That's it, yeah. Yeah, I think that's it. Uh, I have a hard time with this. I, we, we always caveat this. I like Tony Fina. Like, we all always say that. I don't know that we need to keep saying it. Why don't we Fina? Uh, why, why don't we caveat the guys that we hate? Like, I hate this guy. Oh, I like that. I like that. <laughs> I like that, too. <laughs> I, this is hard because so I looked this up. Data Golf has a great stat. You can look where a player was at the end of a third round going into the final round. And this is the 19th time in his PGA Tour career that Finau has been in the top five going into the final round. So 19 times he was in the top five, which is pretty much, I mean, you'd have to be, it had to be a unique circumstance in which you weren't kind of in it uh, if you're in the top five, right? I think we can all agree on that. Yeah. And in six, 16 of those rounds, he's gained strokes against the field. He's been better than field average. And so you're like, I don't know. He's playing pr pretty decent, like compared to kind of what the field was at. But how many of those times, like I know we talk about, okay, well, he's one for 19 in terms of wins from that spot. But how many times were you like, man, he was in it until the end. Like that's the part where you're watching. I was watching today. He misses the three footer on seven. He misses another three-footer after hitting this stupid shot into the water on 11. And you're like, man, you're, you're not even – I get that you have to go out and shoot 64 to, to get in a playoff or whatever, but you're not even close. Like, where's the – we talked about this with Spieth a couple years ago. Understanding the rhythm of a 72-hole event and peaking at the very end. With Finau, it's like – it's kind of like the Fowler thing where he just plays and the holes get in the way. And if he has the lowest score at the end, then he wins. And if not, then, you know, on to the next one. That's the feeling I get from watching him. So I don't know that I think, I don't think it's been as bad as people like would look at and say, man, he, he can't win. It's like, I don't know. He's playing pretty decent in these final rounds, but I don't, I, I don't think that that tells kind of the full story. If, if you look at the bigger picture. Yeah. And go ahead, to, to that, you know I want to get in on this, yeah. so I'll preface. I'll, I, you know I like Tony Fino, uh, but the thing is, you have you have to shrink this down into into the small moments with him. It, it's more than just oh well, he shot sixty eight on Sunday, and so he's playing great on Sunday. And well, no, it comes down to the moments. Kyle, you mentioned two of them. Number seven, he misses a really short putt, and and that puts you in contention. Like sixty four. For, for most of us sitting at home, for all of us sitting at home, to think about shooting a 64 is a really daunting task. But for these players on the PGA Tour, every hole looks like a, a birdie hole on this golf course, on this day, with this setup, with these conditions. Every hole looked like a birdie hole. So 64, taking it shot by shot, isn't it, it's not too outrageous. He had that in the cards. He's If he makes the putt at seven, 
Now all of a sudden he's 19 under heading into the second nine. If he doesn't hit it in the water, he plays a safe shot out to the right where Cantlay did or where Siwoo Kim did way right on 11. Now all of a sudden you make a birdie there. Now you're at 20, uh, 21 under heading into you know, the, with, with another par five to go and other scoring holes. And so it, it comes down to these moments. And in order to win on the PGA Tour, you have to shoot really low scores, but you have to take advantage of every single moment that you get. And it's not that you have to make 40 footers all day. You don't have to hit it to two feet every single shot. You just, you, you can't make mistakes. And Tony Fino is making too many mistakes in critical moments. And that's why he's not in the mix coming down the last three holes or four holes seem, seemingly every time. I think part of his problem is he's kind of plagued by this. He's almost, he's too consistent. Like he's always between 68 and 70 in these final rounds. And that sounds like, that sounds like a, that sounds good. It is good, you know, um, in terms of your scoring average, but it's not good for winning golf tournaments. You actually want to be inconsistent in terms of like what your final rounds look like. You go out and shoot. If you, you can still average 69 and a half or 70 or whatever, but if that comes from three sixty fives and three seventy fives. You just won three tournaments and he's, he's just, it, it sounds stupid to be, have this burden of consistency. Like that's, that sounds like a great thing. Everybody was taught. Rory talks about it. All these guys talk about, I want to be consistent. I want to be consistent, but his is like, just, it, it never results in a win because it's, it, it, it's just so flat in these final rounds and weekends that he, he can't ever get over the, the finish line. Look at Dustin Johnson last year in 2020, his scoring differential, right? It's 20 shots. He, he shot an 80 and he shot a 60. So yeah. that, and that, that leads to a lot of wins. Maybe he didn't do that all on Sundays. I understand that, but, but there's a, there's volatility there because he has that ability to go crazy low. And if it doesn't go your way, you might, you might shoot a bad score. So I, I think it's a fair point, Kyle. I want to boil, I want to boil it down a little bit more to you. You speak of moments and mistakes and consistency, and I'm listening to what you guys say. And there's a lot of sense that you both make. But the truth of it is, for Tony Finau to win, um, consistency in final round scoring comes from making every putt that you stand over from inside six to eight feet. In the final round, if you want to win, I've said this before, you make that stuff of consequence. And if you bury the odd, you know, seagull like Cantlay did, that's when you shoot the really low number. And that's what's unfortunate about these birdie fests is that you're going to have to hold one or two 20-footers in the final round, and that's not easy to do. But if you're like Tiger Woods or Jack Nicklaus, or guys who win habitually, they make putts of consequence. And Afinao has a glaring chink in his armor because the guy can hit it with anybody in the world, any day of the week, including on Sundays. But he just doesn't make putts that count. You reference the putt on seven, then I can forgive the indiscretion on 11. You never know. There might have been a bad lie or something going on. It's unforgivable to miss left there. But then to stack the short miss on top of that, you know, th that, that is where stuff starts to get awry. And then on 14, when you've got a wedge in hand, I can understand maybe you got a jet and the thing came off there real fast or the wind switched. or th There's all number of things that we can't measure. But you don't make you don't miss from five feet. You just take those away. And all of a sudden he's got himself a shot to perhaps birdie 18 and or 17. Then, then of course he doesn't birdie 16. He's got a shot to win. So, you know, he's going to continue to be there. Just like you guys point out, if you strike it good, you're going to contend. But if you want to win, you have to make putts inside of eight feet, especially on Sunday. 
I'm glad you brought up the putter, Mark, because uh, and and I agree with a lot of that has been that has been covered in the last couple of minutes about Tony Finau. But coach, what I see is a guy that made us another switch in the putter this week. He moved off. He kind of moved the place of, of where his uh, where the, the the shaft meets the head. He tried a couple of different putting strokes. I saw him use a conventional grip at times today, which is something he hasn't done consistently. And to me, when guys are making little tweaks like that constantly, it just seems like they're a bit uncomfortable. And I could be wrong. I don't know what's going on but it it seems to rear its ugly head on the putting greens on Sundays and he's constantly tweaking which makes me think he's not all that confident to back up what Mark just said everything that Mark just said goes straight to the confidence that he does or clearly does not have on Sunday today 68 was kind of par let's just be honest because nobody that was in contention was shooting lower than that or higher than that and right now when he gets to Sunday for whatever reason and maybe it's his caddy, maybe it's his family, maybe maybe somebody needs to say to him, listen, Tony, you are good enough. Maybe sit him down and look him in the eye and say, you are good enough. Go out there and be who you are on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. The fact that that we're noticing this and the fact that that you can say, all right, he's putting this way on Thursday and changes it on Saturday and then Sunday, it's, it's two different ways. You can't do that because we all know that when you get a feel, you need to feel comfortable. Siwoo Kim today felt comfortable. The announcer, I don't remember who it was, might have been Mark's brother, said on 17, he's going to make this putt. He's like, he's going to make Why? Why did he feel that way? Because he was comfortable over the putter all day long. Tony has to get there. And if these years keep going by and he doesn't, then I don't think we can keep talking about him as one of the top players in the world. Uh, Siwoo should send Max Homa a bottle of wine for the read that he got off of that putt on, on 17. It was a, a beaut, uh, real quick on the European tour because Terrell Hatton KP, he's done it again. Only Dustin Johnson and Terrell Hatton have won four times worldwide in the last 15 months. Think about that. Let that soak in. He is winning worldwide at an incredible rate right now. He is a already a top 10 player in the world. He's going to improve his ranking when the new rankings come out on Monday morning. Uh, and he clips Rory to earn this one. Yeah, I actually got up early and watched the last probably nine holes of this. And I think the, the funny part about Hatton is you watch him you listen to him and he doesn't really he doesn't really look the part like his swing is not that great and he he's just kind of ambling around and you don't like you talking about Finau Finau looks the part i mean you watch him on the range and it's like oh my gosh uh, now Hatton is is really good from tee to green i just mean visually like you you don't watch him and think oh he's a, probably a top 5 guy top 5 athlete in his sport in the world uh, and yet he just goes out and gets it done. I thought I thought it was I thought it was impressive. I thought Rory was pretty disappointing. Um, you know, he birdies two of the first three. You're like, okay, he's going to shoot 65, go out and win, and then he plays the last 15 and whatever two over. And it just I don't know. Some of his approach shots were just just lousy. They were just not very good. Um, yeah, look, Hatton, Hatton might be the most underrated guy in the world, given how much he wins. I mean, we talked about this some last year. He wins Turkey. He wins uh, He wins something else. On, do what? He won yeah. API. But something else on the European tour also. Uh, BMW PGA. Wentworth. Oh, that was a big yeah. one. And uh, so, the, yeah, he's not winning. I mean, no offense to the American Express. He's not winning American Expresses. He was winning huge events all over the world. And, you know, going to be on the Ryder Cup team. It's, it's a, I, 
for him, it's about majors now. It's it's he's proved plenty over the last you know 16 months uh, on the European tour and even on the PGA tour. Now you got to go do it at a major championship. Uh, Greg, I'm going to ask you to put a bow on uh, Rory McIlroy here before we hop over to a break. It was a bit of Jekyll and Hyde for him. He had two rounds of even par 72. Now he shot a 64 in the opening round. He shot a 67 in round three. Uh, in round one, uh, I had the warm and the warm and fuzzies. He was firing at every pin. He was making every putt, uh, but it was a little bit inconsistent over the course of the week. But all in all, a third place finish in Dubai to start off your 2021 season, a year you're trying to complete the career grand slam. Pretty good. I'll take it. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a good sign. I think there's still some uh, lingering effects. Some of the same issues, I think still stay there. So what I'm watching this week when, when he's playing at the farmers, my expectation is that he's in contention. And what I'm watching for out of him on a Sunday round is what happens with the putter on these putts that we keep talking about with Tony Finau. Because Rory is such a momentum player. If he went when he misses a short putt early in a round, his game starts to break down a little bit. You start to see Aaron iron shots. You start to see the confidence suffer. And so what I'm looking for out of Rory McElroy is that putt in from that four to eight foot range. If that can improve, he's really hard to beat. Um, but, but looking at what happened this week, I, I think it, it hasn't improved quite yet. So that's my big watching point. Um, heading into farmers and the rest of the season over here on the PGA tour. Yeah, that's a good call, Greg. And, and I want to build on that first off, um, Terrell Hatton plays with a gigantic chip on his shoulder. And I don't think he's going away anytime soon because he's got this, like, I'm a blue collar guy and, and you country club boys, I'm out to show you with my golf swing and stuff. But with Rory, it, stuff comes easy. Now. Next week at Torrey, Rory's career or record on the West Coast has not been so great, except for the win in the American Express in the match play at Harding Park. Um, and everyone's going to miss a few short putts because of those Poanea greens late in the day. It just happens. So I'm keen to see how he putts. And then when he has that miss that you referenced, Greg, early, because it's likely how he responds to that, how he bounces back from that. Does it suddenly become Rory where I just – I'm not hitting on the walk, but I'm just kind of letting go and, and being over aggressive because the one thing about Torrey Pines, no matter whether it's June and the U.S. Open or um, January and the uh, the Farmers Insurance Open, it's like a war of attrition. It's like a major championship and survival is the key around there. And so you're going to make mistakes. And the question is, how do you respond? And, and that's what I'll be looking for out of McElroy. I think the the more indefensible thing is the – I mean, the putting, yes, but just the wedge game. You know, I was watching as he finished up, and I think he was on 16 or 17. It's a 330-yard drive, and then he just flies it over the green. And meanwhile, Hatton's in the rough, not in a great spot, and he hits it to 18 feet and makes birdie. And you're like, that is so demoralizing if you're Rory to just be pumping it past these guys and then have to get up and down for, for par from – you know, 97 yards out that, that to me is just that that's the part where if you clean that up, then, you know, you start, you start having 2000, uh, whatever it was, 2014 years again. 
But if you look at that, if you look at the numbers from when everyone began to critique the wedge game, they have ticked up. There's definitely been an improvement from sort of the 75 to 125 range-ish. So things are going better. So I'm just prepared to forgive that one as like an early season aberration. Now, if that's continuing when April rolls around, yeah, then I'll start to go, okay, I'm not so sure about this sort of stuff. But but you're right, the wedge game is sometimes a, a, a weakness. But to me, when I've watched, it seemed like it has been getting better. All right, well, he's making the trek to Torrey Pines next week, so we'll see how he does there. Uh, We've got to get a one-and-done update. We've got to talk about our super contest, but first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You ready, Bob? All right! Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. And we're back looking at super contest results. Coach, uh, I take the week with a small win. We had a lot of almosts. Uh, I know that almost only count in horseshoes and hand grenades, but I look at our best bets and we are currently eight and four this season, which if you're going to narrow it down, if you're going to pick what your best bet is each week and you're winning those, that seems like it's a pretty good thing. Yeah, and I'm an idiot because <laughs> if I'm going to pick Patrick that, Cantley to win on this show and on my other show. Why in the world would I not pick Patrick Cantley for my one and done? I got in my own head. You guys got in my head. So I picked Sepp Straka and he didn't make the cut. I think he shot 77 on Friday or something, but he was supposed to be one of the, in my metrics, he was like a top six guy. I've got to get out of my own head because I've got a lot of ground to make up and I'm a grinder. And I've told myself, I want to be caught up to the leader, which is Mark. By the Masters. And I can't have these zeros if I'm going to do that. So very disappointed in myself. Uh, I also had a Patrick Cantlay wager, but I back up my outrights with top fives in most occasions for situations just like this. Uh, And speaking of that one and done, Mark, uh, I think you dodged a bullet here in the one and done, my friend, because you you took a zero for Scotty Scheffler. And I was sitting pretty as the 36 hole leader with Sungjae trying to add $1.3 million to, to my total and to no avail. I only got 137. You are still $700,000 clear of Greg. Yeah, and you don't think I was very much watching scoring on Friday <laughs> afternoon when I saw Sungjae send to the lead. No, uh, I, I hate miscuts. It absolutely grinds my gears, and maybe that's because I've been a coach and, and spending time with a player who's missed a cut on a Friday evening or a Saturday or a Sunday right thereafter is just it, – it's some of the worst times one can imagine. Um, and so I, I was sort of between – answer and Scheffler and I was between 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 and kind of like Carl said he overthought the thing a little bit too and so I went with Scheffler and Abraham played well so I was extra aggravated when uh, when play wound down this evening <laughs> yeah, answer answer did charge uh, over the last uh, 18 holes or so. Greg, uh, you took Matthew Wolf, the Wolf Man. He got you $25,000. Unfortunately, you were probably hoping for a bit more cashola than twenty five grand. 
Yeah, that's really it's really disappointing. I mean, you think about last week. Uh, I wasn't able to talk about it, but I took answer. I, I was sure that he was going to win last week. He um, missed the cut. So you have I, I, in the last two weeks, I've taken home twenty five thousand dollars. And I, I to me, I've given up two really good players. I think there's a lot of weeks like the three M open where Matthew Wolf is extremely valuable uh, and Abraham answer. There's a number of places like this week where um, where he would have been a really nice play. So um, kind of a little bit. I'm disappointed with my play right now. I'm in a little bit of a slump and just like, I think everybody else feels like got to get this, got to get this thing back on track. If I have any chance of catching Mark. Yeah, we've got to start reeling Mark in. So the standings here, Mark at 4.1, Greg at 3.4, me at 2.5, Kyle 2.1, Bruce Jacob 2.1, and Coach 1.4. We started him with a million at the Tournament of Champions, and he's building his way up, and he's telling us that he's going to catch, I think he said he's going to catch Mark by the Masters. No, 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 no. I didn't say going to. I said that's my goal. It's going to be a very hard goal. I, I, I understand. I'm going to have to have like three winners to do that. So I'm, just, I'm going to wait for every pick that you make and make the same selection. And see if it doesn't happen. <laughs> like a price is right. One dollar. Uh, yeah, exactly. There you go. Um, K- KP looking forward to next week, Tory Pines, one of my favorites. We get another two course rotation. We've got a stacked field. John Rahm's going to make an appearance. Roy McElroy will be there. Xander Shoffley, who, uh, what went to Tory Pines high school or La Jolla high school who has yeah, missed, school. Like, yeah, who has missed four out of five cuts. There's like never played well. He'll, he'll be there. Uh, so an absolutely stacked field and little bonus early reconnaissance for the U S open. Yeah, it is. You know, I think it's. I think the U.S. Open thing is kind of like we talked about uh, with with uh, Pebble in 2019. It's just it's Tory's probably more similar to the U.S. Open on a, on a normal basis than than Pebble is, just because you have the amateur portion of Pebble, but it's still just very different. I, I'm just excited. I, I think Tory always feels like opening day to me. You know, the the psychos among us, like all of us, watch Hawaii, watch you know, American Express, but Tori's really like the, oh, you know, it's on CBS. Uh, Mark, you know, Mark is out there just, just chopping it up with everybody. Um, Spieth is back. I'm excited about that. Probably only like for the next four days, not starting on Thursday. Um, by the way, I learned today that Grayson Murray has won more recently than Jordan Spieth on the PGA Tour. <laughs> when did, what did Grayson Murray win? He actually won the same day as Spieth's last win, which was the 2017 Open, but it happened later in the day. So I'm counting. Oh, like Barracuda or whatever, whatever the opposite field yeah, it is? Was, uh, it was Barbasol. Yeah, Barbasol. 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 Uh, no, I'm excited. You know, no Tiger, which stinks, but pretty much everybody else. And, you know, Rory finished top five there last year. Uh, he's coming off a top five in Abu Dhabi this year. So it, it'll it'll be fun. Uh, DJ, DJ's in, right? I haven't looked at the field list. No, no DJ? Not. Not to listen, he I, don't, I don't. I don't think he is. Played no. He, to, well, he, he played a couple of years back. I'm not sure he played last year. Does he have? What does he have? Busy running. Uh, <laughs> it's a busy stretch coming up. Yeah, he's, they've been on yeah, vacation. That's, that's a good I'm point. I'm telling you, after uh, after farmers, it gets it gets re- hard to every event looks like one you have to play. So yeah. I, I give guys a little bit of leeway here, but um, yeah, it's interesting not to see DJ. You'd think it'd be a perfect venue for him. Hopefully, uh, it's Pebble that most folks don't. He'll go and play Pebble in Riviera two weeks in a row. That's true. Hopefully, hopefully, Rom will be healthy too. Yeah, we never got. Uh, what? Why did he withdraw? I know there was an official reason, but didn't he get asked about it? Did he? What? what do we yeah, know what he happened? Said, 
Yeah, he said that he hurt himself um, uh, working out or something like that, and that he could have played if he had to, but he didn't want to aggravate it uh, and push it, so he pulled out. But he said he could have played if he if like if it would have been a major, he could have played. Got it. Uh, Mark, you'll be on site, so I'm sure you are uh, well into your research. I imagine you are uh, much looking forward to getting back out there. I am. Uh, Tori, I mean, you guys have said it. It's just a wonderful venue and a great, just a beautiful spot in the world, really. You know, some of those vistas over there and both golf courses are great. I mean, everyone always used to speak of the North Course being the one you get after. Well, I've got to tell you, after the Weisskopf adjustments, that place is downright mean as well and if you can shoot a couple if you shoot around in the 60s there you're doing pretty well but then the south course um you know i've always believed low score wins but i sort of like these things where par is valuable and on the south course a par on any hole is valuable i don't care whether it's a reachable five like 18 or you know, tough par four, like two or four or one of those holes down there. And I like that sort of style of play. And I love getting out there, seeing the Pacific, you know, dressing kind of warmly for some early mornings and stuff. And it's just a gem. And to Carl's point, it sort of kicks off, or Greg's point, it kicks off a run of golf where you go from from Torrey Pines to Phoenix to Pebble Beach to Riviera and then the Florida Swing and then the Players' Championship. And so stuff happens fast now. So I'm 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 excited. Absolutely love it. Uh, I think that'll do it, boys. I I think we covered it for the American Express. Let me thank producer Jacob. He's behind the glass. Mark Immelman, who will be on site next week. You can follow him on Twitter at Mark underscore Immelman. The coach, you can follow at the coach rules. Greg Ducharme, good to have you back at the real GFD. Kyle Porter at Kyle Porter CBS. You can follow me at Rick Rungood. This has been the first cut, and we'll catch you next time. It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.